Welcome to Mixed Front Page. Today we'll be discussing a paper entitled Hormone Replacement Therapy Prescription After Premature Surgical Menopause. This paper was a retrospective cohort study that was utilized to assess the rates of hormone replacement therapy following premature surgical menopause in patients under the age of 45 years old. We are very fortunate to have with us today first author of the paper, Dr. Nisha Garg, who was originally a resident at the University of California, Irvine, and now a new fellow in minimally invasive gynecologic surgery at Northwestern University in Chicago. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm excited uh, not only to talk to you, but to talk about your paper. It's a very hot topic whenever we start talking about hormone replacement therapy, as we were saying earlier. It can be controversial and people have different practices. So initially, what was your motivation for performing this study? Kind of like you just said, um, I think we can all agree that HRT is a subject that is really poorly understood, um, both by those of us in training and also by experienced practitioners. It's sort of one of those things that um, everybody takes their own approach, and it's sometimes guided by evidence and sometimes guided by experience. And it just makes it really challenging for those of us in training to kind of figure out what our practice is going to look like. And so um, doing this study allowed me a really great opportunity to dig deep into what's really known about HRT straight from the literature. Um, We know that young women who have their ovaries removed are at higher risk of a lot of different things, right? Osteoporosis, cardiovascular disease. But I think most importantly, and something that I really internalized um, during this study was that they're at a higher risk of all-cause mortality. Um, And we know that HRT significantly decreases that risk. And so figuring out which patients this really applies to, I think, is important for gynecologists to know. Because since the WHI, the Women's Health Initiative, was published um, back in 2002, the rates of HRT prescription dropped dramatically. Um, And that's mostly in postmenopausal women. Um, But we don't really know what that rate is or what that looks like in young women who have BSOs. Well, it looks like the primary outcome you were interested in was to look at the percentage of patients who actually received an HRT prescription following a minimally invasive hysterectomy and BSL, putting them into premature surgical menopause. What did you find? We looked at all women ages 45 and under who underwent surgical menopause, and we found that about 52% of them used HRT after surgery. Um, When we broke it down by surgical indication for their menopause, Um, We found that in patients who had a BSO for endometriosis or pelvic pain, about 80% of them used HRT, so a significant amount. Um, In patients who had a BSO for a BRCA mutation, about 45% used HRT. Those with breast cancer had about a 50% rate of HRT use. And in those with gynecologic cancers, about 25% used HRT. It looks like your secondary outcome was to see if there's an association between preoperative counseling for hormone replacement therapy when surgeons were planning to do a BSL versus the postoperative rates of prescribing HRT. It looks like table four describes this nicely. What did you find? We wanted to try to get some insight into the reasoning behind our findings. Um, And one way that we did that was by reviewing the charts for any counseling discussions that were documented. Um, Of course, chart reviews, you know, there's always limitations with documentation. Um, But what we found was that when there was counseling documented, there was a significant association with the use of HRT after a BSO. And this is really interesting, I think, a positive finding, because it suggests that if providers have the time and the knowledge to discuss HRT with their patients, that patients will listen. 
Um, and I think it suggests that the ball is really in the provider's court um, when it comes to HRT. I think, I think it would be interesting to study an intervention like some sort of standardized counseling method that can be fit into a pre-op visit pretty easily and assess if it improves HRT uptake in patients who would benefit from it. So it looks like in table three, you break down a little bit of what you talked about earlier, which were the prescribing rates uh, based on the indication. And I can show this to our viewers as well. Were there any surprises in terms of the indications for surgical menopause? Just given the fact that some institutions have different policies waiting until menopause to take out ovaries or until 65. A BSO in a premenopausal woman can be very controversial in our field. Um, we most often encounter this dilemma, I think, at least in benign gynecology, um, with patients with bad endometriosis, um, because it's really unclear in endometriosis patients if the benefit of a BSO outweighs the risks, um, because there's, you know, theoretical, in theory could be a definitive treatment for endometriosis, at least some providers believe that. Um, but there also is a significant risk associated with the BSO. And so kind of weighing that out is challenging. Um, in table, so, so I think in those patients, the, the counseling discussion is really important, right? Weighing a patient's values with um, the medical data. Um, and then in table three, at the bottom, there's a section that's listed other. Mm-hmm. And it documents, um, it lists the surgical indications that were documented, and these may not be truly the reason for surgical menopause. For example, abnormal uterine bleeding, prolapse, VIN, these are obviously not real indications for BSO. Mm-hmm. But it's important to include these here because we still see this everywhere. Patients undergo pelvic surgery and either request that they have a BSO or the ovaries look abnormal or for whatever reason we encounter patients who have BSOs for unclear reasons and it makes up a significant proportion of of BSOs in young women and so knowing how to counsel these patients on HRT is still important so so definitely patients need to be counseled about ovarian conservation um, up to the age of 65, but this doesn't always apply to our patients. And sometimes there's reasons for BSOs at earlier ages. So in terms of surgical indications in hormone replacement therapy, which ones would you completely advocate for ensuring that the patients get hormone replacement therapy? And are there any indications where you're a little reluctant and might seek out some type of other consultation before you do so? Personally, especially, you know, after I've learned so much from writing this paper, I think that I am probably much more willing to prescribe HRT than I previously was, and maybe more so compared to some of my colleagues. But I think um, pelvic pain and endometriosis are indications that most people would feel confident prescribing HRT for in a young woman, because the benefits may more clearly outweigh the risks. Um, And I think this study showed that sentiment to be true since the majority of pelvic pain patients did use HRT after surgery. Um, I think indications that are more of a gray zone um, are those that are increased risk for malignancy, of course. So um, BRCA patients, patients with Lynch syndrome, breast cancer histories. um, I think most people are hesitant in these patients. So when we look at the actual data, though, our fears about HRT don't really pan out. Um, we, for example, in BRCA patients who have a BSO in their 30s, um, many studies have shown that HRT doesn't diminish the protective effect of the BSO if it is used until the natural age of menopause. Um, and for example, when it comes to breast cancer, many people 
don't actually realize that even in the WHI, the study that sort of started this um, hesitation with HRT, even in that study, Premarin therapy alone was actually associated with a decreased risk of breast cancer um, compared to Premarin and Provera. And so it just goes to show that there's there's no clear answer. Um, and what we believe to be correct may not actually be um, that obvious in the literature. Um, similarly, when you look at GYN malignancies, um, especially ones that are hormonally sensitive, like uterine and ovarian cancer, the little data that does exist out there um, doesn't clearly show an increased risk of recurrence with HRT use, even though that is our fear with, with that population. So again, I think counseling is so, so important when explaining to patients that, you know, not using HRT also has risks that we know exist that are well documented in the literature. And on the other hand, HRT, using HRT has risks also that we believe exist, um, but we haven't really been able to prove in the literature. That was an excellent explanation to a very difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so just kind of a final question. What is your preferred post-operative HRT regimen since there are so many variations of this? Yeah, there are really so many variations. I think um, the literature has most clearly supported transdermal preparations um, associated with decreased uh, thromboembolism and stroke. Um, and so I usually go with the transdermal uh, approach, the patch. There's um, a weekly patch and there's a, a patch that you change twice a week. Um, and so I usually go with the weekly patch just for ease. That's Chimera. Um, and then in patients who still have a uterus, um, you know, they obviously need some sort of progesterone. And so the data that is out there has supported micronized progesterone um, as the least risk for VTE and stroke. And so I typically will go towards that and then kind of talk with the patient about if they prefer cyclic or continuous, um, noting that, you know, cyclic obviously has a decreased exposure to progesterone and maybe has lower risks associated with it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today and talk about this excellent paper that uh, you worked so hard for. Uh, it was a great talk. Thanks, Peter. I appreciate it. This was great. Thank you all for following Mixed Front Pages Month. We look forward to seeing you again next month.